0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But now we're just gonna continue our series and not only continue our series, but we're gonna conclude our series, Church Rediscovered. Today's the last day of this series. Who's enjoyed this series so far? Yeah. Who's found it helpful? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I trust you have because this series really has been something that was birthed out of our COVID lockdown period. And it's an opportunity for us to press the spiritual reset button uh, on what the church is and what the church is not and what the church should be doing and what the church should not be doing. And for some of us, it's an awakening. For some of us, we've had an epiphany. For some of us, it's just a healthy reminder. But whatever it is for you, I trust and pray that we would become more like Jesus and the church would reflect more and more the beauty and majesty of who Jesus is at this time. In essence, in a nutshell, We summarise the fact that the church is not a meeting that you attend. It's not something that you watch online, although there are people here today and there are people watching online. It's not that. It's much, much more than that. And we landed at this thought, that it's a spiritual family in which you and I get to belong to. And what I know about a family, there is rights. Do you know in a family there is rights? Our kids have fridge rights in our family. They don't have to ask me to use the fridge. They can just use the fridge. I said, guys, guys, you've got the same last name as me. Please knock yourself out. And Mitchie certainly used the fridge rights more than anyone else. He was always in the fridge eating. That's what boys do. They eat lots, particularly in their teenage years. And he exercised, as all our kids did, they exercised the right that was theirs as a member of our family. But not only do we have rights as a family, but we also have responsibilities. And they were expected to clean up after themselves. They're expected to do some jobs around the house. They have rights and they have responsibilities. And so it is with the family of God, we have rights. We just pray today based on our rights. We have the right to be able to enter the throne room of grace with great confidence and boldness because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can unapologetically come and say, Jesus, I need your healing. I need your touch today. That's a right as believers that we have today. But there's also responsibilities. We have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility to one another. We are not our own. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. We are free in Christ, but we're not that free to do our own thing. We choose to come under His Lordship and come under His covering. And that's what this series has been all about, our responsibility as members of the family. And we looked at the early church in Acts chapter 2, how they were a devoted bunch of people. They were people that took up their responsibility. They didn't just live in their rights, they took up their responsibility. And as a result, they dedicated themselves to many things. And we've been looking at some of those things over these last few weeks. Week number one, we looked at worship. They dedicated and were devoted to worship. It's all about Jesus first and foremost, that was week one. Secondly, we looked at fellowship. They dedicated and devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to discipleship. And last week, Cass uh, spoke about stewardship. They devoted themselves to stewardship. And to conclude this series, we're going to talk about leadership. Everyone say leadership. leadership. We're going to talk about leadership. And the message today is entitled, More Than a Title more than a title. And hopefully that will make sense as the service goes on today. So online or in the room right now, get your pens ready. We're gonna take down some notes and hopefully get through a lot because this is a massive, massive subject. Leadership is a big subject and I've probably bitten off more than I can chew today, but the 9am went well. So hopefully the 11am will go well and we'll see where it lands at uh, about 12 o'clock. How's that going? So uh, Jesus, we know, was an exceptional leader. He's the founder of our faith. He built a brand in three years. He had global uh, influence and his organisation is stronger today, 2000 years later than when it first began. He came to lead, not to be a religious figurehead. He came to make major change in the world and that change has been happening ever since. Jesus was a standout leader and not only in His leadership, but how He approached the leadership. He modelled leadership in a very different and very powerful way. He provided lots of leadership training for the disciples on the way. And these disciples were trained by the very best. And what we see in the early church are those disciples outworking what Jesus Himself had taught them when it comes to the issue of leadership. And the reason I feel to talk about leadership today is because leadership is a very important subject. Why? Because it affects all of us. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but every one of us in this room is a leader at some level. Even if it's just leading your own life. And if there was ever a time, if there ever a day or age where we need people to lead their own lives well, it's right here, right now. And so today I trust and pray that you'll lean in and listen up to what I'm sharing because I believe it's gonna help every one of us. Hopefully today will bring understanding not only in leadership in the church, which I aim to do, but also leadership in your own life. So hopefully there's something for each and every one of us. And hopefully today we will build our credibility and increase our influence through this message. How does that sound? Right. Say leadership with me. Leadership. One thing I know about leadership is this, it's not easy. You know, Everyone wants to be a leader until it comes to doing leadership stuff. That's what I've learned. It's not easy. It's not easy in the good times and it's certainly not easy in the difficult times. It's not easy in a crisis. It's not easy in a pandemic such as we've been in for the last few months. And it creates a sense of uncertainty. I don't know if you appreciate the leaders of our nation right now and what they are trying to do based upon answers they don't have. They're trying to lead in uncertain times. And that's why we need leaders in the church and that's why we need leaders in the world because life throws us curveballs. It's not always easily spelt out and neatly spelt out, but it's uncertainty comes as a result of difficult seasons and difficult times. And that's why we're here speaking about leadership today. And you know what? The early church was certainly no exception to problems and uncertainty. They faced many problems and they faced many uncertain times And it was through God-given leadership that they were able to navigate those seasons and those times. And so today, we're gonna look at a scripture and we're gonna look at an example of a problem in the church and how the leaders responded. And hopefully we can all learn something from that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter six and we're gonna read seven verses. Verses one right through to seven. It says, In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Greek Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the 12 shut up shop and said, I'm leaving, I'm done, I'm dusted. Is that what it says? No, No, it doesn't. It says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose for yourself seven brothers who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over to them, and they will, sorry, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the world. world, the word. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They also chose Phil, they chose Pro, they chose Nick, they chose Tim. They chose Pa and they chose Nicholas. They called him Nicholas to separate him from the other Nick. And they were, he was an, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They, rep, sorry, they presented these men as apostles and prayed and laid their hands on them. So the Word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This was a massive problem in the church. At that time. And the problem was caused not because of sin, not because of error, but because of growth. This is a classic situation of growing pains. I don't know if you remember growing pains as a young person growing up, but as we grew, we kind of felt cramps in our calves, etc. You remember that? Aiden's nodding his head, fantastic. But the early church was experiencing growing pains, and these growing pains were creating problems for the leaders and problems for the church. And uh, I want to look at what the early church did and what leadership provided for them. And hopefully we'll understand how leadership is important, not only in our church, but not, uh, also in your homes and in your families. Yeah. And so the first thing we see is that leadership provides direction. There is a problem in the church, and, and this is just one story. You can go through the book of Acts and you'll see story after story after story where good leadership helped through good direction. There was a problem, and Peter stood up with the 12 and declared a solution over the problem. And they said it would not be right for us to neglect prayer and the preaching of the Word of God. We have a job to do. We have a direction that we need to take. And so good leadership will bring direction. If you're a mum or a dad in this place and little Johnny comes to you and he's crying and there's a problem at school or there's a problem within the family, we need to be people that can bring direction. When little Johnny comes up and says, what's going on in the world? I'm so scared, Dad, I'm scared. If we said, I'm scared too, son, and we're as bad as our children, then that's not providing a way. We need to provide direction. That's what leadership does. Good leadership will provide direction or in other words, a solution to the problem. Good leadership always provides a solution to the problem. Not only did the church leadership provide direction, but also protection. They provided direction and protection. In other words, they still wanted to see the people were cared for. They realised that there was people that needed feeding and they wanted to make sure that everyone got their fair share of food. And they realised that even though we can't do it, we need some people to make sure that the people get fed. So there's a protection upon the people at that time. They provided direction, but they also provided protection. And thirdly, they provide correction. You know, in problem times and in problem seasons, what often happens is that we start thinking incorrectly. We start adopting stinking thinking. And Paul's, oh, sorry, Peter's solution was that seven people could go around and not only distribute the food, but they could address the wrong thinking. I imagine as the food was being distributed, conversations were being had conversations about greed, conversations about racial tension. Do you realise there's racial tension going on here? Yeah. Yeah. We're better than those and, 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 and we, we should be getting this and they shouldn't be getting that. And so we see that there is correction needed. And sometimes correction isn't a massive rebuke, it's just the, the subtle uh, adjustments. Adjustments. And any mum or dad would know that we need to have subtle adjustments with our kids. And at times they need to be a strong rebuke. But more than not, if we get onto it early enough, we just need a a, a, a subtle adjustment. That's what I'm trying to say. And we see that happening in the early church. And that's why these men couldn't just be anyone. They needed to be men filled with the Holy Spirit. They needed to be men that had wisdom. Because it was about bringing the correction to the wrong thinking that they adopted. Yeah. Why do you think you deserve more food than them? What is going on? What, what is it that we've forgotten about what Jesus Christ did for yeah. us? Yeah. And I imagine those conversations were taking place. That's what good leadership does. Yeah. It brings direction. It brings protection. It brings correction. And fourthly, it brings inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. In other words... Peter's heart was to release people into their purpose, to release people into their God shape. And as a result, seven people were chosen. And they were added to the leadership team. And here at this church, we desire to see people connected to God, to a church family, but also to see them connected to their purpose. Every one of us has a God shape, and we want to see you find that God shape. And if you are new to this church and you are saying, hey, I, I like what I see, but what's my next step? Well, your next step would be to join us at starting point, because at starting point, we have an opportunity to give you a bit of the history of the church. We give you an opportunity to do a, a, a spiritual um, a, a gifts course and to find out your God shape shape so that you can fulfil your purpose here on planet Earth. That's our desire. And we see that because good leaders desire you to find your God shape and fulfil your God-given purpose in life. And here's the miracle of miracles. This is a miracle that is often overlooked and unspoken of in the Bible. And it's this one. This proposal pleased the whole group. I mean, this is a miracle right here. I mean, everyone is just saying, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, that is a miracle taking place. In other words, people listened to Peter. And I believe they listened to him, not just because he was the leader, but because he had authority. Everyone say authority. authority. See, every leader exercises their authority at two levels. And one level is immediate and apparent. And the other becomes apparent over time. The first one is simply this, positional authority. Say with me, positional authority. Positional authority authority comes with a title. It may be father, it may be mother. You think about it. One day you don't have a child, you're not a mum. The next day you give birth and you're a mother. From one day, no title, the next day, title. There's no manual that comes with this child. You You just go from one to the other. It's a title mother, father, could be boss or teacher or, or, or a policeman, policewoman. These are titles given to people and we pay attention to them because they have a position or a role in our lives. And I know I speak on behalf of every teacher here. Wouldn't it be great teachers if the kids just did as they told because you're the teacher and they're the student. Wouldn't that be awesome, Mrs. Jones? Amen. It would, it's, not, it's not always that easy. And like I said before, leadership isn't easy. And so we see that positional authority provides a person with influence within a specific context for a limited time. That's positional authority. The other authority I want to talk about is moral authority. Say moral authority. authority. And that has nothing to do with position, but everything to do with influence. And influence is important when it comes to leadership. In other words, it's something about them, not the position that they carry. It's an alignment between what they say and what they do. In other words, there's a credibility between their walk and their talk. And when there's an alignment between our walk and our talk, we build moral authority. Moral authority creates respect and respect leads to influence. And influence is very important when it comes to leadership. And when there's a difference between what we say and what we do, we lose respect. And that's why some parents are struggling to lead their kids because our kids, it's not that they don't hear us, they are hearing us, but the trouble is they're not listening because they've lost respect. Because we're saying one thing, but doing another. When you tell your child that they've got to go to church, but we are spasmodic with our church attendance, it's little wonder that when children are 18 and of an age where they can decide for themselves whether they'll go to church or not, they choose not to go. Yeah. And so we need to get rid of the disparity between what we say and what we do if we are to be taken seriously as leaders. And we see that uh, this proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose seven men with moral authority. In other words, they were known to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they were known to have wisdom. In other words, there was an evidence of it. It wasn't just a position given, but it was based upon actions done. And so we're talking about building both our moral and positional authority. Peter had both positional authority and moral authority. We see it was Peter who was appointed by Jesus. In other words, Jesus said, You, I will build my church. On you, Peter, I'm gonna build my church. This is positional leadership. This is positional authority. But that's not why everyone listened to him. Peter also had moral authority. And this is an aspect of Peter's life that's often overlooked. And I just wanna use Peter as a bit of a case study this morning to see how you and I can build our moral authority. Let me ask you this question so that you lean in just a little bit further. This is the question I want to ask you. Who wants to be taken more seriously? Well, let me ask you this. Who wants to be taken less seriously? Is there a parent out there who wants their children to listen to them less? Or is there any parents out there that want their children to listen to them more? Yeah, Yeah, I've always desired to be taken more seriously. And so this is a message that hopefully will help us to understand and appreciate church leadership, but also leadership at a national level, but also in your own home, in your own family and in your own life. And hopefully it will help us to have greater authority and be taken more seriously. So some qualities and some attributes about Peter's life that will hopefully help us to build and establish our authority. Number one is simply this. Peter spoke up. Peter spoke up. When others wouldn't say anything, Peter spoke up. And I've got to be honest with you, I get that. I don't know if you can think back to school and, and I, I remember many times having the answer in my head and yet not wanting to put my hand up because I, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I didn't want to look stupid. Um, I didn't want to, uh, I was just too embarrassed. I was incredibly shy at school. And, and invariably the hand that did go up was Julianne McGlade. God bless her. And she always put her hand up and, and invariably she would be right. And uh, you know, I, I, just, I just never put my hand up because you know, I was embarrassed or I wasn't sure. I was lacking confidence. And in order for us to be a leader, we've got to learn to speak up. And Peter spoke up. When Jesus asked a question in Matthew 16, He said, who do the people say that I am? There was lots of talk. You notice that? Whenever we talk about what they say and what they think, there's always banter. There's always conversation. And it's funny, people think, oh, I'm not the only one. know, there's others too. You know, a big others is about three or four people. Yeah. Yeah. A big others. So don't, don't panic next time say, someone comes to you and says, there's others, it's not just me. But there's usually just three or four others. But when it's, when it's left to what they say and what they think, invariably people will talk. But then Jesus does something so clever. He says, what about you? And what Jesus is trying to do in this moment is decide who's the leader in the room. Who's gonna have an opinion for themselves as opposed to worry about what everyone else thinks? And so there's all this banter. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, okay, that's great. Enough, boys. Who do you say that I am? And it went silent. But Peter puts up his hand. And Peter goes, "Um, you're the Christ? Son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the one that has been prophesied about. And, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He had a revelation. And as a result of that revelation, he had a revelation of who he was and what he'd been called to do. And he was instrumental in the early church. Why? because He was able to speak up when others wouldn't. And I'm forever grateful for Peter and his example that he leaves us in what leadership is. He spoke up. You can't be silent and say nothing and then wonder why things happen. This is a time and a generation where we need to speak up. Yes, it must be in love. Yes, it must be saturated with grace, but we do need to speak up. There are some notions that are out there today that are not helping society. They are not helping the family. Some of the way they raise your the kids today is, is, is actually not helpful to the family. And we need to be bold and courageous. And I love Peter because he spoke up. Not only did he speak up, but Peter also stood up. He stood up. It was Peter on the day of Pentecost that stood up and addressed the crowd that were there. And he was so influential that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. He spoke up when others wouldn't say anything. He was a man of integrity and he spoke up. And again, like I said earlier, we need to speak up in this time and generation. You know, I feel for the parents, particularly with young kids, and the way we're, the things we're not allowed to do these days and things we are allowed to do in raising our children. And I feel like we're under pressure to have to raise kids, not according to God's way, but according to the way people want us to. And I believe we can do it in a way that is kind and gracious. But nonetheless, we need to speak up in this time, just like Peter did. We're talking about building and establishing our authority and our leadership. And we see from Peter, he was a man who spoke up. He was a man who stood up. And not only that, but he was also a man that owned up. He owned up. See, Peter was far from perfect. And I think that's why I love Peter. It's why we can identify with Peter and his life, is that he wasn't perfect. He didn't always get it right. And I'm grateful for Peter and the ability for him to own his mistakes. And he made many of them. And the Bible records some of them in Scripture. And what I love about Peter is that he was able to own them. And I wanna say this to you. If you mess up, fess up. If you mess up, fess up. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. There's no such thing as a perfect leader. You will make mistakes. But I believe we can build our credibility when we own those mistakes and say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And I've told my Bondi story so many times, but the moral of that story is, you know what? We all make mistakes. But when you make your mistakes, own it and then say sorry. Fess up when you mess up. If you want to build your moral authority, you need to make sure that after you've messed up, you've fessed up. it's amazing how gracious people are. It's amazing how gracious your family are. Mm. Are we learning something from Peter's life today? Not only did Peter fess up, but he also got up. I want you to get this point. This this one's a big one. Peter got up. In other words, he had what I call bounce back. And I believe it's one of the reasons that Jesus could use Peter to build his church because as I've already mentioned before, leadership is not easy. Not only do we make mistakes, but we have opposition. Yeah. And sometimes moments get the better of us. And Peter had this incredible ability just to bounce back. I've mentioned in Matthew chapter 16, when Peter was able to say, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus said, well done, Simon. I'm gonna give you a new name, Peter. But in the same chapter, it goes on. Jesus was talking about his death. And Peter on a roll now, Peter's got a new name. He's full of confidence. He's full of boldness. And, and you know, when you're a leader, that, that can happen. You're full of confidence, full of boldness. And I imagine Peter looking at guys, hey guys, watch this, I got this. It's Peter talking. And so Peter says, you will not die. And Jesus gives him another name. He says, get behind me, Satan. And so Simon goes to Peter, goes to Satan. Three different names of one guy in the same chapter. Now, I don't know about you. But to be called out in that way, at that level, it's got to hurt. It's got to hurt. I mean, we don't, we don't see that Jesus took Peter's eye so it's not to embarrass him. He just, just called a spade. He said, Peter, get behind me a second. You were public with your acknowledgement. Now I'm going to publicly correct you. And I don't know about you, but I, I imagine for Peter, that's just like, oh, that hurt. Oh, oh, I'm going slow for the cameras. (laughs) Okay, I just want to say hi to all those online. (laughs) I don't know about you, if you've ever made a decision or said something and been corrected for it and it just hurts. See, it's one thing to own up. It's one of the things I'm saying, I'm sorry. But to get up and to face the people that you've messed up in front of, that takes another level of leadership. Anyone can own up and then tick off and never see someone again. But Peter had to stand back in front of the same guys who had been rebuked in front of. Somehow get his wind again. And at that moment, when he's just been rebuked, he's think, oh, I'm, I'm done. And who knows, maybe the guy's like John. I mean, you know, Peter's don't seem to get on well with John and John don't, John's, John's don't seem to get on well with Peter's because Peter's a guy who's impulsive, he's making mistakes. John's, he's the perfect guy. He, he's the lover, he's not the fighter. And John's probably thinking, look at Peter. And Peter manages to <sighs> get up again it's okay guys this is what we're doing today it's easy to leave when you've been embarrassed it's easy to leave when you've been belittled it's easy to leave when things aren't going well but to dust yourself off like Peter did and to face people again is something that builds moral authority It's something that builds respect. And this wasn't the only time in Peter's life. And remember, what's recorded is recorded, but there's other times that you would have messed up that aren't recorded. But it was Peter who said to Jesus, hey, if all these other guys desert you, I won't. I'll be with you, Jesus. I'm prepared to die. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you will disown me. No I won't. And three times he denies Jesus. The rooster crows, Peter weeps bitterly. Oh how could I do that? Oh hi everyone online again. <laughs> how, how, how did he come back from that? But somehow. Whew, Remember at the same time, Judas betrayed Jesus. If I said to you, what's worse, betraying someone or denying them? I say tomato, tomato. Potato, potato. But what did Judas do? Judas didn't bounce back. He went and hung himself. Do you not think that if Judas had that bounce back yeah. and said, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, I, I let money get in the way of my relationship with you. I'm so sorry. Do you not think that forgiveness no. yeah. Yeah. was available yeah. for him? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, let's not, let's not read the Bible with our religious glasses. pick oh, yeah. Judas. No. Judas is you, he is me. Yeah. It's just whether we're going to bounce back or not. The only difference between Judas and Peter is Peter just bounced back because they were both filled with remorse. Mm -hmm. Judas was sorry. He he felt he was gutted, but he went not hung himself. Peter was gutted, but he just bounced back. That's what good leaders do. They bounce back. I mean, if you feel like you're struggling in your marriage, don't give up. Bounce back feel like you're struggling as a dad, mom. Don't give up. The devil wants you to go and hang yourself. Yeah. Jesus wants you to come to him. Come on. See, come on, get up. Let's go again. Let's go one more time. Let's go one more round. Come on. And Peter had this beautiful ability to bounce back, even though he'd been rebuked by Jesus. My question to you is, is How do you respond to authority? See, many lose their influence because of how they respond authority Andy Stanley said this if you consider yourself too important to be under then you're probably too immature to be over so I would say let's pay attention to how you respond to authority, when you've been rebuked when you've been told off and this is a classic kid trait, when dad tells a kid off, the kids gather together, oh, you just don't think he is Did that to me too don't they? That's what makes them kids. But we need to see them grow up. I love our kids, but they're certainly not perfect. And they certainly tried all that stuff on all those old tricks. They tried them all on. And when I was a kid, I tried them all on. And I thank God that that stuff got knocked out of me. And I'm so grateful to God that I had the privilege to be a dad, to knock that out of my kids. And I'm still ready to do it. Nathaniel, Welcome to the family, son. Today's service is as quiet as the 9 a.m. And understandably so, because this is not stuff you'll see in the newspapers. It's not stuff you're going to see on the news. But this is what we need in this time and generation. The last beautiful quality of Peter is this, that he just kept up. In other words, he didn't quit. Anyone can start something. But let's be finishers. Let's finish what we start. Let's not allow embarrassment. Let's not allow disappointment. Let's not allow those things to rob us of the plans and purposes that God has for us. Amen. Do you know much of my decision-making process is with you in mind? Because leadership in and of itself is a responsibility. I tell anyone who comes on the staff that working for the church is not like any other job. It's not a nine to five clock in, clock out. It's a responsibility. It's much like parenting. Parenting is not nine to five. I love Morgan and Saz. I love them. And I celebrate. And we as a staff celebrate the baby that is to be born. We do. And... Uh, Suz's cute little baby bump it's beautiful it's cute and we look forward and celebrate the day when, when we get to meet little uh, Hancock it would just be awesome but us parents know something that they don't know that little beautiful child is going to give them hell <laughs> and we're going to be there for them and we're going to help them and love on them and it's going to bring them as much joy as it is pain it's it's, it's what it is but one thing I know and one thing you soon know as a parent, you can't just say, Okay, put the kids to bed, that's my job done. Because two hours later you're gonna Nope, I'm clocked out. No, it's a responsibility. Parenting is a responsibility. Church leadership isn't a job, it's a responsibility. And I would love as a family, if, if, this, if this series has meant anything to us, that we wouldn't just live for ourselves, but we'd just yeah. think of our words and our actions, how it affects others. Yeah. Yeah. That's Leadership 101. Leveraging our authority to benefit others. And I don't know about you, but that's the type of leader each and every one of us should follow and each and every one of us should desire to be. Will you stand with me this morning? Maybe those online can stand at home. I, I wanna lead you in a prayer and it's a prayer I've been praying for me in my life for, I don't know, 20 plus years. And it's a prayer that asks God for His wisdom, courage and strength. Wisdom to know what to do. Wisdom to know what is right. But courage to hold on to our convictions. Yeah. So it's not enough to know what's right. You have gotta have courage to hold on to that. Yeah. And then you need strength to walk it out. That's, that's my daily prayer. And it's been my daily prayer for over 20 years. And I, I would just love to pray for you. And if that's you right now, if you're saying, I want more wisdom, courage, and strength, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Or raise your hands. And I'd love to pray for you. Because as I've mentioned, we're all leaders, but leadership is not easy. And so Father, here we are. We just come before you right now. And we just humble ourselves before you and ask that you would grant us Wisdom. Wisdom to know what is right. Wisdom to know what to do. Wisdom to know when to do it. Wisdom to know how to act in any given situation. Grant us your wisdom today. We pray that You'd not only give us wisdom, but You would give us courage. A courage to hold on to our convictions It's not enough for us to know what is the right thing to do. We need courage to hold on to those convictions. And I pray for an outpouring of courage today in Jesus' mighty Name. And I pray coupling that Lord, that we would have strength, strength to walk out our convictions. Father, grant us wisdom, grant us courage, grant us strength today in Jesus' mighty Name.